I get to bring the Word of God to us today. I encourage you to take out a Bible. If you don't have one, pull out one in front of you and turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus said this, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. That's a verse right there. It was about six months ago when the pandemic hit and we had to email everybody and say, stay at home. Oh man, that was, I mean like, we've had occasions where it's been icy roads and nobody can get to church and there's just no way uh, people can get here, but never a pandemic. And we were in here, we were praying up and down these aisles here, getting ready to broadcast it online. And God spoke to us this verse. God gave us this verse. And when I... When God gave it to us as a team, we prayed this verse. We believe this verse that God is building his church and that no ma- nothing can come against him building his church. That the church wasn't just going to survive through the pandemic. That the church wasn't going to shrink through the pandemic. But God would do the opposite. That he would build his church. And it's not a, I might build my church. It is a, I will build my church. Uh, Sorry, I I hope I don't yell through the whole sermon. I have a tendency to do this, my volume. I just get a little excited, and I'm going to try my best not to yell through this whole one, but this is a verse right here. I mean, this is one to preach on. Jesus is building his church. And nothing will come against it. Nothing. Nothing. Not not yesterday, not today, and not tomorrow. And my daddy, our pastor, is taking us through Revelation. And he said... I think I can handle Revelation. You pick out a different one to preach this Sunday. He's in Arkansas helping out a church that's facing some needs today, and they're doing an awesome job. Um, But he said, you you pick out a passage. And I said, oh, yes. Oh, this is the one. I've been waiting to preach this verse. It comes in the context. I want to set up the scene for you. Uh, Verse 13 Jesus comes in to Caesarea Philippi and he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? There's a lot of talk out there. Uh, what are people saying about me? You know, what do people think about me? What do, what, how do they describe me? And so his disciples start speaking up and they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So this is what other people are saying about him. But then he speaks to them and he says, who do you say that I am? 
a powerful question. And this is a question that all of us need to ask ourselves. We need to have it asked to ourselves. And then we need to ask other people, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you, not what your mom said, not what your parents or grandparents before you, who do you, Luke Hartley, say that Jesus is? Who do you say? Every one of us will be asked this question. Every one of us. You may die at 10 years old, 20, 30, if you lived to 110. Every one of us will be asked this question. Upon death, it comes the judgment. And depending on how you answer this question of who do you say that I am, it impacts your eternal destiny. We're not talking about life here on earth, 100, 100 years old. Eternity. Who do you say that I am? Well, Peter, good old Peter. I love Peter. He just, he's an amazing character. What a guy. Uh, awesome personality. Uh, eccentric. He's the one that pipes up, you know. Peter's the one that got out of the boat and walked on water. Uh, this is Peter. He says this. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah, Peter. You know, bing, 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 right answer. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the one that the Old Testament has been prophesying about. You are the one who will be pierced for our transgressions. You are the one that, that is able to take our sins as far as the east is from the west. A hundred billion transgressions are wiped away because he is Christ the son of the living God, fully God and fully man. It was only such a person, the only son of God. It was only him who could take away all of my sins, all of your sins, all of the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not go to eternal death, but shall have eternal life. That's the confession. He said, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. This is amazing. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. You see, before Peter was Peter, his name was Simon. Jesus saw Simon, a fisherman. How many of you like to fish? Yeah, this guy was a fisherman. He did it by trade, except he didn't do this. Uh, back then, they'd use nets, and they were in boats. So he's a fisherman by trade. And Jesus saw Simon. Just a, he was a blue-collar worker. He was doing the normal, everyday job, a nine-to-five worker, just like you and I. Nothing significant. This is Simon. He's a fisherman. All of a sudden, Jesus, he's praying. He sees Simon. I'm calling you. Follow me. Simon goes from Simon to Peter. He goes from an insignificant person to having a life full of significance. He goes from his name not really meaning much to Peter, which means rock. 
And this is one of the great name changes in the Bible. There's many of them where God renames us. So too, each of us, when we make a confession in Christ, our old is gone, we become a new person, right? And we have a new person. Maybe our literal name hasn't changed, but we go from having names of stupid and ugly to being, I am created in the image of God. I am blessed by God. I am made in the, and, and you have dignity and you have honor. So, this, so he says, Simon Bar-Jonah, he's reminding of, of who he was. And then he says, for flesh and blood did not reveal to this to you, but my father who is in heaven God is the one that draws all of us and reveals, takes the blinders off, that he truly is Christ, the son of the living God. And then he says to him in verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter. He's talking to Peter. He's saying you. And Peter here is a representative of the entire church. Well, actually, Peter was a representative of the apostles because he was talking to his disciples, and he's talking to Peter because Peter, Peter himself was important, but he was also talking to all the other 12. The other 12 were important to Jesus too. But he's singling out Peter because you are important, and then the other 12. But it's not, he's not just talking to Peter in the 12, he's also talking to the whole church and to the church today. So Peter is representing you, Randy and Cheryl Davis. Peter is representing you, Desmond and Rachel Devery. He's representing each of us individually. And he's saying, you, Pete, broke up. I will build my church. And how do I know this? How do I know that we are included in this? Ephesians 2, at the end of Ephesians 2 is one of my favorite passages. But he says, so then you as the church, the family, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation, this is the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So Peter was a representative, and we are building upon them. And then it says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also have your being moved together. So we are included in this. And what we have here is an amazing picture of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. God is the ultimate one who is building his church. He said, I will build my church, right? Now that is God's sovereignty. It's his ultimate work. No matter what our work is, God was there before us and God is there after us. We may go door to door. God was there and he was there preparing the house the house to receive our knocking and he's going to go up after us to clean up any mess that we made or to actually make the seed grow so it's God's work but we get to participate in this so here's a great picture because he's talking to Peter and he's saying Peter 
You have a role to play and you get to join with me in building the church. And so Peter's name means rock. And uh, I went in my backyard, oh, oh man, and found the biggest rock I could carry. Uh, not the biggest rock I could find. I found lots of bigger rocks. I tried to pick up, but I couldn't. I'm not that strong, as you can tell. Um, but I found the biggest rock because, well, so many things. I love the picture. I've been praying the rock over our church throughout this whole pandemic because the pandemic, well, God is a rock, right? Before this was ever spoken and before Peter ever came about, I mean, 10, at least 10 times God said he's the rock in Psalms. I didn't look it up, but many, many times God is the rock. And then we just read in Ephesians 2, he's the cornerstone. God is the rock. He's our firm foundation. We just sang it. It was awesome. Uh, he is our cornerstone, and he is firm. And, and in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus gives the parable. He says, don't build your house upon sand. Build your house upon the rock. And the, this pandemic has exposed a lot of people who have built their house on sand. A lot of people try so, and you can make like a sandcastle that looks just like this, and you can put so much time into building your little sandcastle, but the moment that water pours over it, the sand falls away. You pour water on a rock, it's still there. And so a lot of people have been forming their financial portfolio, and they're stuck they want their stocks to be so that they're safe and secure with their money. Or a lot of people put a lot of time into their health and their fitness. But man, has the coronavirus, I mean, it's attacked finances, boom. And then you start to worry and you get anxious and you get anxiety. Anxiety, if you have anxiety and fear in your life, it shows that you are putting your trust in something that can be washed away. If you build your life upon the rock, no matter what water's thrown at you, no matter what hardships, your, your financial portfolio could be cut in half, you are solid upon the rock. There can be a virus out there that's invisible, and you might not even know how you could ever get it, but your life is built on the rock. And I don't, it doesn't matter. My health is up to the Lord. He protects my health. So when your trust is in the Lord, he will care for you. I've been praying that we would build our life upon the rock and that we would put our trust in him. And so we get to participate. So Peter, and this is amazing, but his name meant rock, but by no means was he the rock that, that Jesus was talking about. It was, some say it was his confession. The fact that he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That is the rock. He's confessing. So that too is the rock. But he's saying, Peter, you, 
He talks to Peter. I just, it's just amazing. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. It's God's, God is, he is the one that started the church, and he's the sustainer of the church, but he invites us to participate. We get the joy of joining Jesus as the cornerstone to build his church. I was trying to think of some examples of like God's sovereignty and human responsibility and the fact that he has the much bigger role to play. We have a small role to play. We're not insignificant. In fact, Dale Webb, you are significant in building Christ's church. We're not insignificant, but it's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent upon my father. Christ is the cornerstone. So he has the, the bigger responsibility. We get a small one. I was trying to think of examples. The only two I could come up with was one was horse racing, like a uh, jockey on a horse, you know. I've always thought it's funny how they celebrate the jockey when the horse did all the work, right? Um, <laughs> Or you think about the water boy. I mean, the water boy isn't insignificant. Uh, athletes need water, uh, but the athletes are the one that wins the game. Uh, okay, now they're not perfect and by no means. I can come up with a lot of reasons why those are wrong. But my point is, we get to participate. Christ is building his church, and he invites each of us. No one's insignificant. He invites each one, he said to Peter, and he invites you, Wadia, to inv he invites you in to join Christ in building his church. And God is building his church. I got some Legos. Uh, my kids love Legos. Samuel made this one right there. How about that? That was a good one. Three-year-old making this one. But uh, it's, it, Legos are awesome. Uh, I mean, a lot of people enjoy it, but you, God is building his church. And the church is not a building. The church is people. And we're talking about the local church and the global church. Next week, we're going to be talking about the church in Revelation more. God cares about Lilburn Alliance Church, and he also cares about the greater church in the Atlanta area. None of, don't mock local churches and don't mock global church. God is building his church and each of us are like pieces. We're all unique and different colors and we can all participate in Christ building his church. And he wants to build it and he loves to build it. And he is protective of his church. He loves his church. It's the one thing that he left. He didn't build a seminary. He didn't build a food bank. He didn't build a political party. He didn't build the Democrat party or the Republican party. He's building his church. So we are to participate in building the church. And he's protective of it. I think about my son Samuel when he built this. Um, Hannah 
who's six, and Joel, who's one. Joel is just learning how to walk. And like the moment Joel comes close to it, Samuel's like, get away, get away. He knows what Joel can do. I mean, he's protective of it. Jesus is protective of his church. And too many, I've just seen this too much, it's just been, it, it grieves me. In the midst of the pandemic, the onslaught that the church has had. Too many people critique the church. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, they're not doing this right. Too many people are on the outside and not being a part of the church. He's building his church. And he wants you to be a part of it. It's not, you're not the only one building it. I'm not the only one building it. God is building it. Amen. He's building his church. And I love it how he's building his church. He's doing it today in the midst of a pandemic. And God can use a lot of different ways. He can use big ways and small ways. I want to show you a picture of a family that I just met um, a couple months ago, we had a splash and uh, play day out there. This guy's name is Takalot at the top of the left screen. He's an amazing guy. I got to talk with him. He was a refugee in some of the worst refugee camps in Africa, like the worst refugee. He happened to come to Clarkston. He came to Clarkston, Georgia, uh, eight, ten years ago, and he was, happened to be in a CVS. And one guy, he doesn't know who it was, gave him a gospel track. He took the gospel track, put it in his back pocket, didn't think anything of it. And he was going through severe depression. He was about to have a baby that he wanted to abort. He didn't want the baby to live. But the biggest thing is he was ready to take his life. He was going to commit suicide. In fact, he had it all planned out. God spoke to him right before that, and God said, pull out that track in your back pocket. No, this is a true story. I mean, he was with us in the 830 service. He pulls out the track, and he sees the phone number. He calls the phone number on the back. They say, go to church. He comes to our Eritrean church, he got saved. He was baptized right up here in the baptismal. And now he has six children. He went from wanting to, it was, he didn't have any children he wanted to abort. And now he has six. He just had a little baby. It's amazing. God is building his church. I was encouraged to read uh, just this past month that Thailand saw 1,500 baptisms in one day. I mean, that is an encouragement. It was it's quite an amazing video if you want to watch it sometimes, like a minute, but just, man, one after another, and multiple ones going in. God wants to build his church, and he gives this promise, the gates of hell will not prevail. Hallelujah. The gates of hell... Gates are, are stationary. You know, you think of gates, a lot of times we think of the devil as offensive. This is a picture of it being defensive. 
The gates of hell will not prevail. So the gospel, the confession that we make that Jesus is the Messiah will prevail through any gate. And that's why we pray in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. That's what we pray for. Any gate, no matter what gates are coming against you in your personal life, no matter what gates are coming against you in participating in the joy of building Christ's church, it's a joy. There's nothing better than participating, than being a peace in God, building his church. No matter what is coming against it, it doesn't have to stay there. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has given us all authority in heaven and on earth. We have authority. It's why in Ephesians 6, one of the things that we quote so many times, but our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities of this dark world. And we're called to stand firm against the devil's schemes. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 19 of this passage, he says, I will give you keys of the kingdom. I see God giving each of you keys. Peter, he's given you keys. Keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You have authority. Now, God can take care of any gate, but we have a role to play. We have keys. We're called to stand against any devil's schemes. We're called to submit. We're called to resist. We do have a role to play. You have keys. What do you bind and loose? Bind bad things, loose good things. Bind darkness, loose the light. Bind uh, apathy, bind the spirit of religion, loose relationship and salvation. Bind sickness, loose health. Hallelujah. Bind poverty, loose abundance and contentment. These are keys that God has given you to participate in building his church. God wants to build his church and he promises that the gates of hell, no matter what gates are up, you're up against, they will not prevail. Just declare, bind and loose. You don't, you don't have to agonize over it. Just use your authority. Use your authority in Christ. And it says in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. Satan's head is crushed. We're called to stand with him and crush Satan. Crush, bust open those gates. So I want to ask you two questions in response. One What gates of hell are you fighting against right now? What gates are keeping you from participating with Christ? Now, let me me just say this. 
when you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, your eternal destiny is sure. You are written in the Lamb's book of life. When you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. The devil can't take that away from you. The gates of hell cannot take that away from you. But what, they, what the devil will try to keep you is from having an earthly impact. He cannot mess with your eternal destiny. He's going to try to mess with your earthly impact. He's going to try to mess with you participating in building his church. You see what I'm saying? So I want to say, what gates are holding you back is mockery. So many people mock the church. So many people mock one another. Facebook is full of mockery. Please don't mock. Bust that open. Say, I resist you, spirit of mockery. I bind the spirit of mockery, and I loose the spirit of blessing. Hallelujah. May we all bless more and not curse. I want to say another one. Isolate. I mean, man, we, we dealt with isolation before the pandemic, and now there's more isolation than ever. Come against that gate. Throw that one off. Idolatry. Anxiety and fear. So much anxiety and fear. You don't have to submit to a spirit of fear. You don't have to live with it. I read uh, 9% of Americans before the pandemic were dealing with depression. Now it's 27%. Over a quarter of Americans are dealing with depression, fear, anxiety. It's, it's exposing they've been living their life on the sand. Build your life upon the rock. He is our firm foundation, amen? amen? And we don't have to deal with fear and anxiety. Throw it off. Participate in the church. We, we can bust through that gate. Guilt and shame. No matter what sin you have done, don't let it keep you from joining Jesus in building his church. They're gone. Your sins are gone. There's no great sin that can keep you from entering in. Peter, I love, this is why I love Peter. Peter denied Christ three times after he told Christ, I won't do it. He said, I'm not going to deny you. <laughs> That's Peter, good old Peter, you know. Uh, but then he did. But then it didn't disqualify him from preaching the gospel and leading 3,000 Jews to Christ. Peter was used. So too you, God can use you. God can use you. God wants to use you. In building his church, don't let guilt or shame keep you. Discouragement. I, I've felt a lot of this lately. You get discouraged. In fact, Wednesday night we were praying in the river and I saw like clouds coming in. And I asked God, what are those clouds like? And they were blocking out the sun. And he said, it's discouragement. And then I saw, I started praying against it. And we were moving back. And the lights were coming in. Some of you, God has given you dreams and visions. Pete broke up. God's given you a vision to start a thousand house churches in Clarkston. No matter what gates of hell are coming against you, no matter how hard these clouds are coming in. Don't let them cloud out that vision. 
Don't let discouragement, things may not go as you want them to go. You may have hardships, but don't let them, I see those clouds moving back in that vision. God's given you a vision and a dream. Don't let it die. So too, each of us, God's given us visions, dreams, those things that God put us early to build his church. Let, let God revive those dreams. I see him giving new hope and fresh hope. And then the second question I want to ask this morning is how are you going to join Jesus in building his church? Each of you have time you can give, talent. None of us are made the same. We all are gifted with different talent. We have talent that can glorify God and build his church. We can have treasures. We have money We have money that we can give to the local church and the global church to advance this church around the world. That's why we give to missions and offerings. We want to give our time, talent, and treasure. Ask God how you can build his church, starting with your family, starting in your neighborhood, starting with your school or your business. Start a life group. Ask God how he can use you to start a life group and multiply your life group. If you're not a part of a life group, join a life group. It's a house church that's meant to be on mission. Go door to door with us. We just finished up an awesome four weeks of going door to door on Saturday. Uh, And it's not easy all the time going door. Howard, man, this guy met him going door to door. It's awesome having you and Andrew here. God uses this thing. It's not always easy, and uh, we get a lot of kind of different looks. And, um, but, but, but it's awesome. I mean, yesterday, I got to just say, Ann Miller and I, it was the last house. We were like, I think we should go. No, let's do this one last house. We talked to a Bangladeshi guy. He's from Bangladesh. There's only, there's maybe one believer in all of Atlanta from Bangladesh. There's 30,000 of them here in Atlanta. I've been praying for the Bangladeshi people. I really believe that God's going to start a house church with the Bangladeshi people. It's one of my visions. It's the dream. But anyway, I'm getting off track. Lord, help me. Uh, Close this thing. No. Um, No, so we're knocking. It's Bangladeshi. Where are you from? I'm from Bangladesh. Oh, Awesome. Uh, can we pray for you? I mean, there's a longer thing, but can we pray for you? And we, we prayed for him and prayed. Prayer, like, it was a normal prayer. Uh, I prayed it several times, but it, it was the most amazing thing. This guy was hit with a spirit of laughter. I've seen it in a college of prayer setting, but I've never seen it in a door, going door to door. I'm serious, this guy was laughing for over a minute. God just hit him with a spirit of joy, and he just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're praying for this man. Join, isn't it a joy to join Jesus in doing that? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's what we were created for. So we can join Jesus with this. I just want to invite us to stand here. And uh, Pete broke up. if you can come forward. Uh, Marlene, if you don't mind, come on up. I want both of you guys to pray. And just pray that God would lead us to take the authority that we have 
to prevail against the gates of hell and that we would build his church here locally and around the world. Pete, if you can just lead us in a prayer and then Marlene, if you can pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with uh, these powerful and precious words. Uh, Lord, we have seen the gates of hell everywhere. And yet, Lord, we know that you are the one that is fighting for us. You are the one protecting your church. And Lord, we stand here today with hearts broken for the peoples that are in and around us that have yet to hear. Yeah. And God, we ask you to pour your spirit out on us with a new authority that we would see your church built in places it's never been built before. And God, we love the fact that we are all different colored, different shaped Lego blocks. And you did that for your glory because the church will be more beautiful and we can reach more places. And so God, we just thank you uh, that we can see you move. And in the powerful name of Jesus, the, the name that shakes the, the gates and the whole foundations of hell, the name that is above all names, we go in that name. And we don't, that not only will the gates not stand against us, they will fall before us. And we give you all the glory and all the honor in your precious name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank and praise you this morning, oh God. Lord, we pray, oh God, that you'll teach us how to pray. Teach us what to say, oh God. Teach us, oh God. Show us, oh God, the people that are in need, oh God. That's prayer, Father God. And we pray against this this racial barrier, Father God. You'll break every chain, Father God. We need the chain to be broken, Father God, so we can come together as one one nation unto you, O God, and pray for those, O God, that don't understand who you are, Lord God. Teach us, O God, to pray over those that are sick in their bodies, O God. O God, we pray for the nation, O God. This nation is full of hatred, O God, full of anxiety, O God, full of destruction, O God. We pray that we'll come together, O God that you will break it, oh God, and show us, oh God, there's only one one nation, is you one God, oh God, is you, Father God. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, we break every chain of depression, oh God. We break it, Lord God. Break that chain of, 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 of lack of understanding, oh God, of knowing who you are, Father God. Lord, we pray for this world, this nation is falling apart, but Lord, that we stand on your rock, oh God. Your solid rock, oh God. Nothing can break through to this rock, Father God. We stand on it and we believe, oh God, that you will do it, Father God. No matter what it looks like, oh God. Lord, we're not moved by what we see, oh God. We're not, we're not moved by what we hear, oh God. We're not moved by what they say, but we're only by the, moved by the, your word, oh God. And your word is the only word that will stand, oh God. And we need you, oh God. We need you in this world. We need you in the, through this pandemic, oh God. We need you. We need you. We need you, Father God. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for what you're about to do. You're about to do something great, Father God. No matter what it looks like, you're about to change this world, this nation, like never before, Father. We're going through some things that we have to go through because they need to depend on you and not man. 
So we thank you, Lord, that we depend on you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen.